You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. Check out that site. He's been a scout, a coach, an executive in the NFL. He covers recruiting. He covers college. And, of course, the NFL. So check out LandryFootball.com. Also, while you're perusing the Internet, go to Zillary.com. That's right, uh, Twillery.com. Excuse me. Go to Twillery.com, and you can get $25 off some fantastic shirts just by using the Locked On promo podcast, uh, promo code from this very podcast, again, Twillery.com. So we've got a lot to get to on the program today as we will bounce around uh, the SEC, and uh, there's a lot of news. Commitments keep flying. Uh, We'll also break down uh, the recruiting staffs, the best ones in the SEC, and We'll take a look at an Arkansas uh, sophomore player who's decided to go baseball. Uh, Also, Alabama and Michigan in a rare recruiting battle. Uh, We'll go around the country and look at another Oklahoma quarterback who may become a household name. So, man, we are loaded up first. Though I watched the NBA draft. Zion Williamson, if he's a football player, what does he play? Oh, man, I'd love to see him as a pass rusher. I could absolutely see him, though, as a big-time weapon in the passing game as a tight end. So I've thought about that a lot. Uh, every every time I watched him this year, and I watched him a good bit, uh, just seeing the freakish athletic ability. You know, Dave, you, uh, from, from a pure basketball standpoint, can't really come up with a comparison. You know, a lot of guys look like, in some parts, like other guys, this guy is just doesn't look like anybody that I've ever seen in basketball. I mean, he's not a, um, you know, Maurice Lucas, you know, back in the day, but uh, certainly a lot more athletic. He's bigger than Barkley. So Barkley had the athleticism, uh, but this guy is, you know, Zion is bigger. I mean, he's just, he is a freak of nature. Seems like a, just an effervescent personality. Um, so folks in Louisiana, where I am from, are very excited about having him um, be the face of the franchise and hopefully kind of uh, for them, um, take them out of uh, the doldrums and kind of rebuild. But I, just a freakish athlete. And yes, I um, often have thought about throwing passes to him and diagramming plays to do that or rushing the passer. <laughs> I, I, I tell you a quick little thing as we go on is, you know, when I was coaching at LSU, um, football, you know, Shaq was there and I used to often kid, you know, I just come in, throw, use you in the goal line. That's all we need. Use you on the goal line. And it is all. And of course, Shaq at that time was, I mean, string being rail thin. I mean, you look at Shaq now and he's the Shaq daddy and he is just a behemoth, but he was a string bean, a tall, tall, tall string bean. But a string bean nonetheless, and he filled out, and I used to say, you know, he's, I can't handle that hitting coach. Said, That's okay. We'll we'll get somebody to protect your feet. We'll just throw it up, and you don't need to, need to jump. So, no, I Zion is a freak, absolutely, and excited to see what he does in the NBA. Yeah, I can't imagine Shaq. That that would be that would be pretty interesting. So, uh, we shall see. But certainly, uh, we'll get to some football now. Some some real football players. And we wanted to rank recruiting staffs. And uh, who better to do that than you, Chris? Who, who are some of the best 
staffs out there in terms of a uh, recruiting perspective? Well, it's not easy to do. So let's let's give a little bit of a perspective of why it is really so debatable. All right, you got a staff. So you're dealing with the head coach, which by his mere presence as the head coach, as the leader of the pro program, is going to have a tremendous impact. Uh, obviously, to close on a player, to set the standard for how important recruiting is, I'm not going to mention names, but I've been on different staffs where there was greater emphasis on recruiting uh, by one versus another. And, and what I mean by that is everybody knows it's important, but it's it's not enough to give lip service to it. It's how much time do you spend in staff evaluations of recruiting uh, versus, you know, other things. Um, so the head coach is extremely important on the staff. Um, you've got organizational skills about how do you do it. Um, I do a lot of clinic work helping college programs kind of organize their coaching staff a lot like NFL teams do in my background there. So, you know, you get a recruiting coordinator, which people think, well, what does a recruiting coordinator do? Well, re recruiting coordinator is somebody on the staff that has to be one of the nine that it has that title that, that kind of coordinates things. But you have people on the staff that kind of do a lot of the paperwork and the legwork and the organization. So, you know, when a kid comes in on a visit um, and he's going to visit with, you know, the architectural dean, because that's what he wants to study and you know, all that stuff that's being organized, not being done by a position coach. It's been done by people on the staff, but, but you have a lot of that that takes place. And then, and you sometimes have one or two elite guys and that may separate one staff from another. Um, you may have maybe the best recruiter on any given staff that may stand out on one staff, but the others, um, you know, maybe another staff may have more, greater numbers of recruiters. So there's there's a lot of ways you can go with it. Then you got to factor in too. You got to understand that if you're recruiting as a football coach at Vanderbilt or Kentucky, no disrespect, or Ole Miss or you know Missouri, it's not the same as recruiting at Alabama, Georgia. It's a different product you're selling, partly because what you do as a program currently, but historically. So with all that said, as a, as a preference, I, I think that the best recruiting right now, I put them in tears. I think it's Alabama, Georgia, Georgia, Alabama. People may say, oh, no, Chris, Georgia has been ranked ahead of Alabama and more five stars, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Alabama's done it longer under the same head coach with different staffs. <laughs> I think that Georgia in probably the past two years have flipped around because Mark Rick recruited well. Kirby Smart's not recruiting well. He's recruiting much better than that. He's probably turned things around and has upgraded not only the recruiting but the staff better than any. So you can make the case that Georgia is the best in terms of certainly how they've improved. Over the longer haul, just because he's been there longer, it's Alabama. So it's Georgia, Alabama, Alabama, Georgia in the very top tier. They're the top two in terms of what they do. We know that they're selling a product that is great, better than some others, but but they do it well organizationally, how they evaluate. And again, I'm basing it on 
my, you know, experiences with these guys, I think they're the best. Now, after that, then I think there's another tier of two that handle recruiting almost as well as those two, but not quite. And that's Texas A&M and LSU. Um, much like um, George just kind of flipped things around, I think what Jimbo has done in a short period of time at A&M, very short period, less time than Kirby's done at Georgia, is probably, you know, um, flip the scales, certainly in their program. I think you could put LSU there at three in terms of longevity. Like Alabama in this second tier, LSU might have a little bit of an edge. Texas A&M has the state of Texas. That's a huge advantage as well. So recruiting base, uh, LSU is aided by the state of Louisiana in terms of quality. Texas, any Texas school is aided by the quality and quantity of the players. Um, so I think, again, not really important if you want to go 3-4 LSU A&M, 3-4 A&M LSU, that is kind of the tier. Then there's the third tier in which I would put in, in no real order Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee. Tennessee is the newbie there with Jeremy Pruitt. Um, the state of Tennessee, which you're very familiar with, Dave, you're very familiar with all the programs around the country and the, the states in the South, but particularly in Tennessee, people don't know your base there. Um, Middle Tennessee has really grown. Uh, just in the time when I was with um, the Titans and the prospects that came out of Middle Tennessee then, and we're not talking, you know, we're talking mid to late 90s. So in the last 15, 20 years, the state of the, the the middle part portion of Tennessee, for people who don't know, Tennessee's broken up in east, west, and middle. That has grown. That's made the state of Tennessee a little bit better. Jeremy Pruitt's done a good job. He's made some adjustments on his staff uh, in terms of recruiting. Still probably has a couple of guys that are dead weight on re recruiting that he needs to figure out and find the right combination. Um, but I think they're an up-and-comer in terms of recruiting in this third tier. I think Auburn is intriguing because they've done a nice job. They've got some stability. But Dave, are they on the potential number one list of maybe being unstable if they have a coaching change this year? I'm not saying they will. If they do, where does that put Auburn? Can't really forecast that. I can only say right now, I'd put Auburn. I think Florida has done a nice job. They've got some advantages. I really think that what they're trying to do at Tennessee organizationally is a little bit better, but not quite has gotten there yet. So I would say Auburn, Florida, Tennessee in, in some order in the five, six, seven spot in that um, tier. Now, I thought long and hard in the next tier about putting South Carolina. In fact, I could probably easily put South Carolina in the tier with Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee in terms of how they recruit, their effort, the head coach's work ethic on recruiting. I think, and, and, and what they have resource-wise, they're probably in that tier with Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee. So, moron, why did you not put them in there? Well, I, I think that the overall results – 
are not quite what they need to be, even considering that South Carolina doesn't have the tradition and heritage of Auburn, Florida, Tennessee. So I've waffled on that as to whether put them at the top of the next tier or at the bottom of the upper tier. Regardless, I would put them there. I do think there's a little bit of gap between them and Arkansas, which is really very interesting with Chad Morris and what he's doing with his connections in Texas and his staff and his organization, I think is really good. Um, So let's kind of rephrase it. I think Arkansas right now, to put this in perspective, is probably top 20 in the nation as a recruiting staff. Very good. One problem. It puts them ninth in the SEC where I have them. I mean, and you, you can't put them any higher than eight. I mean, you can't even make an argument that they're higher than eight. In fact, I don't think you can argue that they're eight. That, that, that's the difficulty. So they're looking up at Auburn, LSU, A&M, and Alabama in the West alone. This is important to understand when people say, oh, Chad Morris is getting it done. He's going to turn it around. Turn around what? Are they going to win the ACC Coastal? Because I'll give you that. They could do that. The SEC West is a different story. Then I'd go into that next tier, which I thought Mississippi State under Dan Mullen was as good as any in the SEC at finding their type of player to fit their type of program, but then they developed them. So it was identifying creatively, but they were a little bit better development, but they were still very good. I think Ole Miss was a better recruiting outfit under Hugh Freeze, but they've got some obstacles now, um, which, you know, some negativity with the program and, you know, all that is affected. And so how much of that is a dead weight for this current staff versus, you know, what, what is reality? I, I think that that you can debate those two. Then I think Missouri has to find their niche. They're a little bit duck out of water. This is a school that recruited Texas heavily when they were in the Big 12. There's not as much of an identity there. They're trying to get in on kids in Florida and Georgia. By the way, Georgia has become, Dave, you, you nationally, what, what do people think? Florida, Texas, California, right? That's the three biggest states. If you were to look at the quantity and quality of players, Georgia has moved into fourth. They're ahead of Ohio. They're, I mean, they're, they're really – and so Missouri's trying to get in on those type of guys that maybe Georgia doesn't want and compete with the Georgia Techs of the world. And then Kentucky has to find their niche, and then Vanderbilt has a real challenge. Listen, I think Vanderbilt – Kentucky, Missouri, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State, which represents 14 to 10 in any order. I I would put them in that order, 14 to 10, as I just listed them. They all do a nice job. Fact, I would say that all of those, in terms of how they stack up in the quality of their organization, uh, I think they're all top 40 recruiting outfits nationally. But so when you say, hey, boy, Landry doesn't think Vanderbilt does a good job. No, that's not true. It's just that you got to rank somebody 14th or 13th. That's where I would put Missouri, Kentucky, Vanderbilt in that area. So that's how I got them in tiers. 
Um, and it's a li- very debatable. I can go back and debate it and will and, and adjust it because it's not the same. Will Muschamp recruiting as the head coach at Georgia is different than recruiting at South Carolina. And, and South Carolina is great, but it's a different job. So, you know, when people say, oh, well, yeah, Georgia's better because it's Georgia. I'm not just doing it. on. I'm certainly not doing it on the results. I'm doing it on the results relative to resources and what they have and what they've traditionally done and what they're able to do. So there are a lot of things there that are debatable. I hope you enjoyed the list. Uh, that's kind of how I see them at this point. Yeah, I think you illustrate that you can be a fantastic uh, recruiting staff, but if you happen to be in the SEC, that doesn't mean the battle is is won anywhere close. And uh, that goes for uh, almost every school not named Alabama uh, and Georgia. Uh, coming up, we've got some news out of Arkansas. Alabama and Michigan going at it for a top prospect. Uh, so we've got a lot to get to. Stay tuned. Go to twillery.com. Twillery.com. I got my shirt super comfortable. You don't have to iron it. It is absolutely awesome. So check it out. Twillery.com. Use the locked on promo code and you get $25 off. Pretty sweet. Stay tuned. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. Your locked on SEC football podcast rolls on after this. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast. Arkansas's football team loses a player to baseball. How significant is Connor Nolan's decision? Well, just in terms of experience depth, it's a little bit of an issue. It's just noteworthy at this point. Um, he's not the difference maker. He's not the future. Uh, and I think the fact that he was going to play baseball and football, uh, was just more of a depth issue. He's a talented young man, apparently very talented in baseball. And that's where he's going to focus on and increases, uh, working on his fastball. And those things are really good, but, it, but it does leave Ben Hicks as the most experienced quarterback that they have. So it's a little bit of an issue, long range, not that big of an issue. But Connor Nolan has decided, and what a great baseball season Arkansas has and continues to has have. Um, Connor is going to focus on um, on baseball for Arkansas, and so that that will certainly affect their depth. And we'll see where uh, Arkansas obviously has a pretty good future at quarterback, at least from a recruiting standpoint. We talk about recruiting battles all the time. We're used to. Alabama, Georgia, or used to Michigan versus Ohio State on our Locked on Big Ten football podcast, which we certainly suggest you listen to. Uh, but now we got an Alabama-Michigan battle. That's not that. Uh, that's not that commonplace at all. No, it's not. We you know, see it every now and then. Kyle Edwards is a six foot to two hundred ten pound running back from Destrehan, Louisiana, uh, and he's going to visit Michigan in mid July. Um, and after the the, the dead period uh, comes, but he's been on Alabama's campus. That's the favorite. Um, he's a four-star back. He's got really good run skills and good speed, size, strength combination. Got good, good does a nice job with avoidance yards and even better job with uh, after contact yards. So really good back and Alabama's just loading up. I still think and and say that uh, Zach Evans, the best running back in the country, is uh, it's not an Alabama lean. It's a it's a it's an, a a shock if Alabama doesn't get him. 
of the rest of their group. I mean, uh, just loaded, loaded at running. This is a really good player um, that uh, from Louisiana and Alabama. No one's done the best job. It's tough to go into the state um, to get a really good player from Louisiana that uh, LSU wants away from LSU, uh, unless you're the former head coach at LSU that's running uh, the juggernaut of the program. I think the kid's going to end up at Alabama, but there could be a numbers issue, and if he feels like hey, look, they're just locked and loaded at running back. Michigan's still in it. And I'll just say this. I'm, I'm not making any judgments. I'm certainly not making any on-air suggestions for them. They're, Michigan has really lacked that bell call back. It'll be interesting to see what he decides. But right now, it's a big Bamaline. Let's go around the country as we do from uh, time to time. We focus on the SEC. But uh, Oklahoma, in case you haven't noticed, has had a pretty good run of uh, quarterbacks. And it appears the newest one uh, could be Brock Vandergriff. What do you see when you look at him on tape? Man, I see a special young quarterback. Remember, class of 2021. <laughs> so we're talking about a kid that's going into his junior year. He's a rising junior. He's uh, 6'2 and change, 200 pounds. He's a pocket guy that can move. Uh, this guy's got, he can flip that arm. He's a five-star quarterback the best-looking quarterback in the class of 2021. Uh, he really is accurate from different platforms, Dave. I mean, in the pocket, quick step, five-step, seven-step, he can do it all on the move. He can throw it on the run very accurately. Really impressive. Uh, the fact that they've had the aforementioned success that you alluded to at quarterback, no doubt, uh, had a big impact. Uh, but, you know, for Oklahoma to go in, to Prince Avenue Christian High School in Bogart, Georgia, is pretty impressive. Um, they've got some really good ones uh, there. Uh, you know, Spencer Rattler and uh, the redshirt freshman Tanner uh, Mardesi, uh, they, they're loaded at quarterback. Nobody has, if you add up the stars, if you want to do that, if you're into that, the, you, you got about 20 stars on there just in the, the, the three and four deep there. Really good-looking group. So congrats to Oklahoma. Uh, it's going to take a while for folks uh, to to uh, get, a, get a look at them unless you're into watching high school tape. This kid's really good. He has got innate accuracy for a young guy that, again, is going into his junior season, junior season in high school. Very impressive. Big day for Oklahoma. He announced it yesterday. That's where he's headed. Let's get a uh, recruiting report. Your thoughts on Drew Sanders listed as an athlete, that can be pretty ambiguous. What do you think he plays, and what do you think of him? Well, he does a lot of things well. Uh, seeing him move athletically, uh, he's got linebacker, outside backer written all over him, and he may be able to be an effective rush guy. He's got a frame of 6'5", 225. Um, he was an Oklahoma commit in November. Alabama was able to flip him. He's from Denton, Texas. He's a top. 35 overall player in the country and athlete. He is, he's got instinctive qualities with the ball in his hands, reaction skills, eye hand coordination, <clears throat> his ability to step over trash defensively and avoid blocks. That's what I mean by stepping over trash. Um, it, it just being able to avoid the people at your feet 
that 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 are coming at you and keeping your eyes peeled. You know, when you peel your eyes down to look, it's like a quarterback peeling his eyes down to find the rush. You can't look for it. You got to feel it. He feels things very well. I think this guy, I he has got outside backer athletic qualities and instinctive qualities that um, I've seen in a lot of you know potential and really productive Alabama linebackers. That's my guess. That's where he's going to be, and we'll see where the body grows him into if he grows down. So that's where I see him. Uh, that's, I think, going to be their plan. I'm curious also what you think about the Georgia running back situation. We'll get to that uh, here momentarily. Stay tuned. You're locked on SEC football podcast. Go to twillery.com. That's twillery with a T.com and use the locked on promo code and you'll get $25 off of your order and the shirts are fantastic they're comfortable they're wrinkle free and i uh, don't forget this you bundle four together and there's as affordable as 55 dollars a piece that's free shipping free returns why wouldn't you do it stay tuned we look at the bulldogs next on your locked on sec football podcast you are locked on sec football part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast. Let's go to Athens. Uh, they are are kind of growing into a program like Alabama. Well, not growing into. They are. They have options each and every year at running back. What do you think of uh, their running back situation as we head into this season? Well, I think it's elite uh, in terms of talent. Uh, obviously, when you lose the type of guys that they've had, um, past few years uh, you don't just take snap your fingers and there you go and uh, everybody's just as good as the next guy I don't mean to suggest that in any way shape or form but there's a whole lot of talent they've recruited very well there um, you know we've talked a little bit about what Alabama does there and uh, Georgia's done a very very nice job at the running back position uh, when I look at it I see obviously special talent in DeAndre Swift and James Cook uh, who by the way James was more talented than his brother coming out of high school, in my mind, um, Zamir White. Uh, and, and people don't know, uh, most people um, should do, Dalvin Cook's his brother um, <clears throat> of Florida State and, um, and, and Viking fame now. Uh, but there's a guy that I, I had a little bit of talk recently with one of the coaches that has just been on the roster because he's going to be a senior, and he's not as talented as the guys that I mentioned, and as well as some others that I think are going to be really good players down the line for Georgia. But Brian Harrion has been there for a little bit, and it's a crowded backfield. He's a senior, as I mentioned, not as gifted. But in doing some work on him and kind of wanting to to kind of see where I think eventually he could be in a camp and getting him into a camp at the end of next year's draft, this guy is a pretty instinctive guy that I could envision, Dave, that if he was in another program, He'd have a better chance to maybe play and compete and have a shot. I think he's got some instinctive qualities in the passing game and understanding angles and leverages and pass protection and knowing how to escape and spot up and pass routes. So I did speak with some of the coaches, and they they really like him. Now, if they have to go down deep into their depth to where you have to play a lot and be the Bell Kyle back. I don't think that's that's what he is, or ideally he what he is. But I, in, in short, I wanted to mention him because I think he has great versatility, and I think he can help you in two back sets in whatever direction you want to go. 
I think he can spell guys, and I think he can be really effective in third down in both you know the passing game and the run game. And uh, I want to give him some love because I think he's a really good player, uh, and I think he's done a good job there. He's a local kid. He's from Douglasville, Georgia. And, um, you know, Brian Herring, a guy that you may not hear a lot about, but when you do hear him, he has great value for the dogs. We go to the scouting spotlight to take a look at a couple of players. We'll stay in Athens uh, with a Georgia safety that has certainly caught your eye. Well, Richard account is somebody that I've mentioned a couple of times here. And as I, as I gradually day by day, you know, work through the film grade notes from last fall and, you know, refresh my memory and look at the spring tape and get ready for the season, which is what I do um, leading up to the season all summer. Richard LeCount is is as good a cover guy at safety as there is in the SEC. Let me say that again so there's no misunderstanding. He is as good a cover guy at safety as he is in the SEC. Let me remind you that Grant Delpit and Xavier McKinney of LSU and Alabama are, are also in the SEC. This guy is really good. Now, he is not the overall player that McKinney is, and he's not the overall playmaker that Delpit is in terms of the versatility to come down in the box. He's not quite as good as those two. He's good, not as good, and he doesn't have the instinctive qualities on the blitz as good. In short, let's not... Um, you know, short out Richard LeCount's abilities at the next level and as an elite college player. Um, you know, you, you often, and I, I try to do this a lot, people want to talk about the guys that everybody wants to talk about. And that that is fine. It's great. I love it just as much as the next guy. But there are a lot of good players, Dave, as you well know, that don't get the publicity and may not be as good as the top two names that are on the first team list. That's just a, a you know a little lazy in some regards, and just from our fan standpoint, they don't have the time to to exhaust themselves into. It. I, I just like to bring out guys like this. That this guy's not a good player. He is a very good to great player that has a good pro future and is a great college player, and he just may not get the mention. Uh, but don't be surprised if he gets mentioned a whole lot this fall. Richard LeCompte, safety at Georgia, great player. And then another player you looked at, Rakeem Jarrett, your thoughts? Well, and this is a guy that your <clears throat> folks are, folks out there are not going to be familiar with other than the name. He's a five-star 2020 verbal that LSU's got. Um, he's got nice size. He's just shade over six feet, 200 pounds. That's fine. Not not extraordinary, but but good. Really quick, really fast, very talented young man. No big deal there. I mean, that is a big deal, but it is not, doesn't put him in the category of, man, don't see those guys very often. No, he's, he's talented. He's athletic. He is like a lot of guys. Let me tell you a little bit about what I see in him that I do not see in typical early, you know, contributors, guys coming out of high school. He is what I would call an advanced route runner. Uh, what does that really mean? Not just an understanding. Uh, understanding of routes, you can teach and, and get guys to understand it. Route running is a little bit of a gift. It's 
I would describe it this way in basketball because I think people are a little bit more familiar with it. it the the ability um, to have the juke move, to get the defender, the crossover move. You know, it's not that a lot of guys don't know how to do it. Some guys just have better eye-hand coordination and can get defenders moving one way or the other and get them out of position better than other guys can. That is the best way to describe stemming of your routes, um, which is at the top of your route, getting defenders moving in an alternate direction than you want to go. He has an innate ability as a young guy to do that. That is something that requires a lot of time. I've not had a chance to visit with the kid. Um, I'm going to guess that he's probably spent a lot of time working on it, which is great. Uh, if he hasn't, then it's very innate. And you can improve this area when you have the natural quickness. But I just wanted to mention him as somebody that's advanced in terms of his route running skills. Now, in terms of assignment, in terms of other things, We'll see how well he can fit in. But I expect this guy, if this passing game will improve at LSU, um, in 2020, this guy has a chance to be, and, and we'll see where the quarterback situation is for LSU then. This guy can have an early impact. Remember the name, Rakeem Jarrett. Not for this season, but 2020 for LSU is a special talent. There you go. <clears throat> that is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me, he's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. Go to LandryFootball.com. Check out the website. It is unbelievable. And Twillery.com. Use that locked on promo code to get $25 off. So have a fantastic weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you on Monday with the latest SEC news.